Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode 217 of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. We're delighted that you chose to join in, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you. We are in the book of Romans and we are going to make a little more progress today in Romans chapter 10. So I'd like to begin by just reading several verses from Romans chapter 10. I'm going to begin in verse 5 and read through verse 13. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here again, we are in this chapter of Romans in the middle of the section where Paul is dealing with the church and Israel and particularly God's chosen people, Israel, where they are and what God's plans are for them and is God done with Israel. So Paul is addressing all of that in Romans chapter 9 through 11, and we are in the middle of that in chapter 10. So let's make a little more progress today. We saw in the last episode where the people of Israel, the Jewish leaders, the Jewish nation as a whole, has a zeal for God, but it's not according to the understanding, and that Christ came as the complete fulfillment, the ultimate goal and aim for which the law was even given. And so he expounded it, he explained it, he clarified it, and he filled it to its fullest. Full meaning, full potential, he completed it in every way. Paul continues now, and he is trying to speak to his Jewish people, to the people as a nation there, the chosen people, as well as to Gentile believers, and we'll see that in a moment. So here, Paul begins to contrast the pursuits of righteousness. In verse 3 and 4, he has already mentioned those. He talks about there being two different pursuits. He talks about there being them being ignorant of God's righteousness because they're seeking to establish their own. Their pursuit is in the keeping of the law in trying to be perfect, in trying to 
fall under traditions of men and rules and regulations and dead, dry religion, instead of the righteousness that comes through faith and faith alone in the promised Messiah who came. So Paul has already spoken about these two different pursuits of righteousness. And he talks about the righteousness of the flesh or of the law. I want us to turn to Galatians chapter 4, where we we read more about this in Galatians chapter 4. And I want to read several verses from Galatians chapter 4. I want to read verses 1 through 7 and then drop down to verse 21 and begin. Verse 1, Galatians chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. He's speaking there about the bondage of them trying to live according to the law and being stuck in that religion and in the deadness of that. Continuing on in the reading. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. And there he's correlating that with Sarah, who received the promise, the son by promise, and it was of faith. So he's saying that there's freedom in that. There's slavery in the bondage of the law, but there's freedom when we take God at his word and believe him by faith. Verse 27, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. He's quoting from Isaiah there. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So in those passages, he's 
speaking symbolically, he says, of the righteous pursuits. And he's talking particularly concerning Hagar, considering her as the bondwoman being the pursuit of righteousness through the flesh and through the law. Ishmael was a son of the flesh. That was when God had given the promise to Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah has this bright idea to help God out. And so she convinces Abraham, and they try to help God out as if God needed any help. And so we see Ishmael coming to pass through Abraham and Hagar. Now, Ishmael is the father of many nations. Yes, he is. And all of those nations are special and have received promises also from God. But they are just like everyone else, including the Jewish people. All of the Gentiles, everyone is still by faith to receive Jesus. He is the only way and he came through promise. And that's Paul's point here. His point is to show the difference between the pursuit of righteousness by the flesh and by the law, as opposed to the pursuit of righteousness through faith, which is a part of the brand new covenant and the only way to true salvation and freedom. So he uses Sarah here, the free woman, as that example. Isaac was the son of promise from God, received by faith. So he's talking here about the two covenants, the two different righteousness pursuits. There is the Mosaic covenant that he's speaking of in Galatians 4 and here in Romans chapter 10, which comes through that bondwoman. In other words, it's a striving in the flesh I want to read you one of the places that Paul quotes in Romans chapter 10 in this passage, and it is Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, and it reads, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Paul quotes that verse. Notice here in Leviticus that the if is included and stressed. And it's because he's showing us that the people can strive and strive and strive and try all they want to. They're not going to be able to. God is saying, if you can do it, you can live by these. Point being, you can't do it. That's the whole point. And we've already seen that the point of the Torah, the point of the law, it was all pointing to its goal, its end which is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that could keep it. He's the only one that could redeem us, as Galatians says, from under the curse of the law because we can't keep it. So the Mosaic covenant represents that dead, dry religion, confidence in the flesh, striving in the flesh. The rules and the traditions, we talked about a few examples of those in the last episode, one being Remember how they were so strict about their interpretation of the Sabbath, even to the point that they didn't want Jesus to heal somebody on the Sabbath because they considered it work. They did not see it as an opportunity to bring Sabbath 
rest and blessing to the person who desperately needed it because they needed that healing or that deliverance. You see, Jesus understood the true intent of it, and the intent was to bring rest. The intent was to bring freedom. The intent was to bring recovery and refreshing. And he saw the people that had that need. And so he knew that it was a greater blessing for him on the Sabbath to free the man with the withered hand and heal him so that he now experiences true rest from that affliction. And you see, that's the difference. But the Pharisees and the Jewish leadership as a whole kept to the strict tradition of men and the strict letter of the law. James verse James chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 explain that if you mess up in any one commandment, you're guilty of all of it. The Jews tell us there are 613 commandments. You can strive to keep every one of them every minute of every day, but it's a useless, futile striving. You're not going to be able to do it. And that was its point. So if we mess up in one, according to the book of James in the scriptures, we're guilty of all of them. So Paul contrasts that pursuit of righteousness, striving in the flesh, with faith, the pursuit of righteousness through simple faith, not based on our works, but faith alone. And Paul quotes some verses from Deuteronomy chapter 30 in Romans 10 when he is bringing this to us. And I want to read some of those verses, beginning in verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, it is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go down over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you will surely, you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So Paul quotes some of this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 30 in Romans chapter 10 in this passage that we're studying. But notice, even in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 
It's all about the heart. It's always with God been about the heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and hear and obey him from the heart. You see, that's the part that they've missed. It's always been about the heart and that never has changed and never will. So what righteousness by faith means and how one receives it is the exact same way that Paul did because Paul in Acts chapter 9 moved from dead dry religion to relationship with God of the new covenant through faith. Paul tells us here exactly how that's done in Romans chapter 10. He says, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You confess and believe the Lord Jesus. He and he alone is Lord, the one who has the sovereign right and rule. You bring yourself in submission to his lordship and recognize him as Lord and Savior. You see, Jesus was named by God through the angel Gabriel to both Joseph and to Mary that he would be called Jesus, or in the Hebrew language, Yeshua. Yeshua is the Old Testament word meaning salvation or the Savior. He is the Savior. He came as God in the flesh. He came as the promised Messiah, the promised Savior bringing salvation, just like the Old Testament prophets had said. He fulfilled the scriptures in every point because he was the end of the law for righteousness through faith. He is the only way of salvation. Faith in him alone, without any confidence in the flesh, without any works of the flesh, Colossians 3 and Philippians 3 both speak about the circumcision not made with hands, the circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. And it speaks about having no confidence in the flesh. He is the only way of salvation, and it's through faith in him and in him alone. He fulfilled Isaiah 53, Psalm 23, and every other messianic passage in the Old Testament I mention those especially because they deal with his death and his suffering. His death has paid for the wages of sin and paid the death penalty that we were under. God raised him from the dead. His payment was enough. Jesus' blood is enough. The debt of our sin he paid in full. His sacrifice was once for all. He was the lamb that was slain, raised back to life, and lives forever. I want to read in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, and John is speaking here, and he says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain 
having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He was the only one worthy to take that scroll. And he appeared to John as the lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. John recognized him as that. Peter had already spoken about that as well. But I want you to notice this. Being the lamb that had been slain, but now is living forevermore, was an unknown understanding to them. It was a mystery. Because in the Old Testament, every lamb that was killed, that lamb was dead, dead and gone, never to live again. The beauty of Jesus Death on the cross is that he was the once for all time sacrifice who now lives forevermore because God raised him from the dead, accepting his sacrifice. And so that's what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who will confess these things, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. You, friend, will be saved if you will do that. This is how anyone is saved. And it's always been about the heart with God. You see this, Paul tells us even right here in verses 11 through 13 of Romans chapter 10. He says, again, this is available to everyone and anyone. I like to think of it like this. You know, you can get gifts on your birthday. You can get gifts on an anniversary. You can get gifts at Christmas or some other special occasion. But how special is it when you get those gifts that are, we call them, we typically will call them the just because gifts. Just because someone loved you. Just because someone thought about you. Just because someone cared. You know, it may be a spouse, it may be a best friend or a sister or a mother, and it's a surprise to you. It's not something you've earned. It's not even something you expected. It's a just because gift, just because I love you. Did you know that Jesus coming to the earth and God giving his own son, like he tells us in John chapter 3, verse 16, he's God's gift to the world. He's God's just because gift, so to speak, because God loved us. Even while we were dead in our sins, even while we were sinners, Paul's already shown us in Romans here that Christ died for us. That's the awesomeness of the love behind this just because gift. God gave this gift to the entire world because he loved us that much. I want to read 1 John chapter 4, and I want to begin the reading in verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. Then go down to verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. You see, God first loved us. And out of that love, he gave 
his only begotten son to the entire world. You might think of him as a just because gift. You might not. That's neither here nor there. But the one thing that is true is that he is God's gift to the world, to all who will believe. You see, the gift is available to all, but just like with any gift, each person must choose to accept it or it will do you no good. The salvation is there. The rescue is there. The Savior came and he paid your sin debt in full so that you don't have to, but you must receive him, believe and confess him and believe in him to be able to receive the benefits and the blessings of that gift, that salvation that God longs to give you. And you do that by faith. Remember, we've studied this already in Romans about what true believing in Jesus is. What is true faith? It includes repentance. That's a part of it because now we see him. Now we no longer walk the walk that had us under the curse of sin and under the curse of the wages of sin and that death sentence. Now we've turned and we've turned to him and we're walking in obedience to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. But all we have to do, all that's commanded of us is to have sincere faith. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, not relying on any other work in our flesh, but solely believing that when we believe in him and we put our faith in him and his finished work, he will save us and justify us by faith alone as he has promised in his word. When we do that, we are saved. God gave his best. Have you received his gift? Have you chosen to accept him? What will you choose? Because it's up to you, friend. You can accept this gift or you can reject it. But the life that it will bring you is made available to you. The salvation has been provided. I pray that you accept it. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.